Hey CEO, I have an important question for you today. Are you running your business or is your business running you? If it's time to get your business in order so you can fully step into your role as a confident, in-control CEO, then I want to invite you to this advanced training series that I'm hosting live on May 20th through May 24th. We're calling it the 90 Day CEO Sustainable Success Series. And over these four days, we're gonna break down our research-backed, client-proven process to help you sustainably scale your business without hustling, without overworking, and without burnout. If you've been winging it in your business, hoping that you'll eventually get caught up and telling everyone in your life that when things calm down, you'll be a real functioning human again, this series is especially for you so that you can reclaim your life as you scale up your business. All you have to do is head over to theceocollective.com slash success and sign up. We can't wait to see you there. Hey there, welcome to Uncomplicate Your Business, a weekly podcast where I share a peek behind the scenes of what it really looks like to create a successful business on your terms. Today, we're talking all about creating 90-day plans and how it can completely transform your business. Check it out. Ready for more ease and less stress as an entrepreneur? Welcome to Uncomplicate Your Business, where you'll learn how you can simplify your business and amplify your results so you can work less and live more. And now, your host, MBA, award-winning business strategist and author of Your Business Sweet Spot, Rachel Cook. Hey there, Rachel here, and I am so excited that you're joining me for this episode of Uncomplicate Your Business. Because if you're anything like me, as soon as December starts, we are all in the process of furiously creating an action plan for the new year. We're getting new planners, we're creating vision boards, we are setting new goals. And there's a beauty and a harmony in planning that makes it completely irresistible. It's so easy to get carried away in planning and planning and more and more planning. So much so that often I find that us entrepreneurs can actually have adverse effects of over planning, where we leave ourselves without room to pivot or to seize new opportunities. And then we end up setting ourselves up for failure because one minor glitch can send our entire master plan off course. The honest truth is the best business plans are both focused and flexible. We need that balance. We need the focus so that we can achieve the goals that we're looking to achieve, but we need flexibility so that we can adapt and adjust whenever the plan is not going according to plan. So here are some things I want to share with you that you can use to rethink your planning process and create a more successful, workable, flexible plan for the new year. The first thing is when you're creating your action plan, limit the nitty gritty planning to just 12 weeks. So when most of us think about planning for the new year, I find we literally plan out the entire year ahead. And it's great to have that big picture of the year ahead. But for most solopreneurs and small business owners, your position in six to 12 months from now, it's going to be dramatically different than anything you could possibly plan for today. 
As entrepreneurs, we need space to let things unfold in front of us. Often, we have to respond in real time to what's happening in our business. So I'm a super fan of setting those big picture goals for the year, including revenue, one of the most important annual goals to set for your business, and then breaking down a nitty gritty action plan in quarters. That means every 90 days, you're pursuing a new set of mini goals, goals that help you achieve those bigger picture goals based on the state of your business at that time. This gives you the freedom that you really need to consistently and mindfully tweak and adjust as you move towards that bigger goal for the year. One of the biggest reasons I love working in this way in 90 day chunks, almost like 90 day mini sprints, is that it helps overcome two huge entrepreneur challenges, focus and procrastination. When you're setting a 90 day goal, it's much easier to just keep your eye on the ball. You can see the progress you're making. And because the deadline is approaching quickly, you learn to say no to anything that's going to pull you off track. So you stay more focused. And I know that we are all guilty of procrastination. That's another reason that 90 days is a great time frame for your more nitty gritty planning and achieving these kind of sprint goals. If you're working on a big goal to move your business forward, you'll likely need every bit of those 90 days, those 12 weeks in order to reach your objective. And by limiting your timeline, you're more likely to stay focused, avoid procrastination and help you really push that project forward. Now, the second piece of this is reverse engineering your revenue goals. So as your year has wrapped up, it's important that you spend some time reviewing this year's revenue. In fact, if you didn't listen to last week's episode all about how to create a year in review of 2016, I highly recommend going back to episode 28 and listen to how you can do that year in review. Why does this help so much when creating your action plan? Because your numbers tell a clear story. When you review all of your revenue from 2016, you'll see peaks and valleys. And don't worry, this is normal for every business. All businesses have peaks and valleys. All businesses have bigger months and smaller months. But you need to note what is happening during those periods, because that's what will help you get a good feel for the natural ups and downs in your business. You need to know what are the best months in your business. And is this a seasonal trend? If it's a seasonal trend, you want to make sure that you are taking advantage of it. For example, in my business, December and January are usually great months because I work with entrepreneurs. And this is a time of year when they are looking at their goals, looking at what they've achieved and starting to plan. They're starting to look at where they need help, where they need support, where they need consulting, where they need training. So seasonally, December and January have always been really big months in my business. Same goes for September. There's something about that back to school feeling when entrepreneurs are feeling like they're coming out of a slow summer period and they're ready to kick their business into high gear. So for me, knowing those things helps me to plan what I'm going to be focusing on, what I'm going to be promoting or what I'm going to be offering to my community so I can ride that trend. I can really take advantage of it. In other businesses, 
December might be a completely dead month. I have a lot of people who are in the wellness space and they struggle to get their clients in the door in December. So planning a huge promotion this time of year is very challenging for them. But the moment January comes, that switch has flipped and people are thinking about achieving their wellness goals. So they need to have a plan for that. There are other businesses that have completely opposite seasons of yours. So pay attention to your industry and determine what the seasonal trends are. What are those big months based on what's going on for your dream clients? You also want to pay attention to where you ran a specific promotion or marketing strategy last year. And did that contribute to a great month in your business? Often, hint, hint, If you have a specific promotion for a program, product, or service, you're going to see more sales that month than months where you didn't actually launch anything or you didn't actually promote anything. So if you had a great promotion that you did, maybe, for example, you did something going into the summer months to help people plan for how to have an incredible summer with their family. Or if you are a yoga teacher wanting to work with new brides, you ran a bridal boot camp in April and May. Think about what times of years you ran those promotions and what specific promotions you ran Those are things you can rinse and repeat. And then I need you to also make sure you're taking some time to reflect on the worst months, those slow months in your business. You need to be aware of, is that just a natural seasonal trend that it's going to be a slower month? Did you take off for a vacation? Did you decide, hey, it's already a slow month. I'm just going to go ahead and make this my time to step away from the business. Or did you not promote anything. And you're just now, as you're doing your year in review, realizing that that's why your revenue didn't hit the mark. Once you have a grasp of this revenue flow in your business, then it's time to set your new revenue goals for the year ahead. You know, when we're setting our annual revenue goals, us optimistic entrepreneurs, we have a tendency to aim really high and just shoot for the moon which is amazing. It's that optimism that makes us entrepreneurs, that big dream that makes us entrepreneurs. But it is important to choose a revenue goal that is based in reality, based on what you are willing to put into your business, the actual work involved to make it happen. So you want to choose a revenue goal and make sure you're sitting down and doing the math. Figure out what is required, what work is required in order to reach that goal by breaking down your specific services and offerings, and then all of the action steps and nitty gritty details that are required to make that goal happen, you will be able to create a more solid action plan that will help you achieve that revenue goal. So here's a couple things I would be asking myself when I'm crunching the numbers for my revenue goal. If you are focused on one-on-one services, so you're doing one-on-one services, you're coaching, you're consulting, you're teaching, you're training on an individual basis, or you're doing done-for-you services, maybe you're a photographer or something along those lines, you need to be asking yourself, how many clients do you need to take on this year in order to achieve that goal? This is so important because if you set for yourself a goal of you're going to hit $100,000 this year, it's going to be a lot easier to hit $100,000 this year if, let's say, you have a $10,000 program that people are signing up for. 
because then you only need 10 clients. But if you're looking to sell a service that is, let's say, not $10,000, maybe it's only $1,000, then suddenly you need 100 clients in order to achieve that goal. And once you sit down and break down, you know, exactly how many clients you need this year in order to reach that goal, you need to break it down even further. How many new clients do you need to sign on each month in your business? So if, again, you were going for that $100,000 goal, if you knew you needed to bring in 100 clients over the course of a year, how would you do that? How many people can you bring into your business each and every month? Are you going to be bringing them in consistently every month? So every month you're enrolling this number of new clients. If you're looking at 100 new clients over 12 months, you'd probably need to aim to bring in eight new clients a month, right? So if you're bringing in eight or nine new clients a month, you need to ask yourself, is that realistic? Can I onboard eight new clients a month? Can I get that many people in the door? And you need to ask yourself, how many invitation conversations will you need to have each month to sign those new clients? If you have a goal to sign on eight new clients every single month, chances are you're going to have to be talking to at least two or three times that many people. So you'll need to actually have 16 or 20 conversations to get eight of those people to sign on to become new clients at $1,000 each. And this is where the numbers start to really show you where your gaps are. Because unless you have a big list or a big network you can tap into, this might not be realistic for you. You might realize that if your goal is to hit $100,000 next year, it will not happen with a $1,000 one-on-one service. Maybe you need to reach for a $2,500 service or a $5,000 service, because then the numbers work. Then you go from needing to talk to, you know, 20 people a month to get eight clients to maybe talking to 10 people a month to get four or five clients. Suddenly it becomes more manageable. And you also have to consider if you're working one-on-one, you know, not only how many clients do you need to bring on each month, but how many can you realistically manage? And what does that process look like? I know when I'm working one-on-one, I know that the first month of bringing a new client on into my business is going to be the most time intensive for me because there's so much research involved. I'm doing a lot of research in their industry. I'm doing a lot of research on my client and in their business. They're doing a lot of work to send me everything that I need in order to really understand their business. So I know that most of my work is on the front end. Yours might be the opposite. What if you are a wedding photographer? You might have most of your work for that specific client isn't actually until after the wedding, because that's when you have to sit down and do all of the editing and do all of the um, final things that are required behind the scenes to deliver those photos. So you have to know what is your bandwidth? How many clients can you realistically manage? And when you crunch the numbers and look at how many you need to be attracting each month, how many you need to sign each month, how many people you need to talk to in order to get those one-on-one clients, it will let you know if the numbers don't work. And usually the numbers won't work if the price is wrong. So do you need to look at your pricing? If you are priced too low, you will be stretched very, very, very thin trying to get a lot of people into your one-on-one service. But if you're priced higher, it will be much easier and much more sustainable for you.
So those are the things I would be thinking about if I was crunching the numbers on one-on-one services. What if you are working on group programs or online programs or a information product, something that is a little bit more leveraged, so it doesn't take as much of your time, but you still have to pay attention to the numbers here. You need to ask yourself, okay, how many students or clients do you need into this program or product or course this year in order to hit that revenue goal? Again, it's going to be a lot more difficult to get you know, a thousand people into a course or a product if you especially don't have a huge list than it would be to get 20 or 50 this next year. And while you're thinking about that, you need to know, well, how many new clients do I need each time I run this program? Am I opening this how many times next year? Am I running it twice? Am I running it four times? Is it evergreen where they can join every single month? How many people do I need to join each time I run this program or each month if it's more evergreen? And how many people do you need on your email list in order to fill this program? Hands down, I have to say the difference between one-on-one services business model and running more leveraged group programs, products, business model is that one-on-one, you can get a lot of traction without a huge email list simply because referrals can often fill your client docket. But when you shift into group programs and online courses and information products, you will depend more heavily on an email list to fill that program. And you need to know what is your average conversion rate for that. So this is getting a little technical for some of you who maybe haven't looked at this, but your conversion rate is just the difference between how many people on your list and how many people actually bought what you have to offer. Often we see that the conversion rate for online programs, online products, group programs is usually going to fall anywhere between one to three percent. And that's being very conservative. I'm on purpose being very conservative because I don't want you to think that if you have a list of a thousand people that 200 of them are going to join your program. It could happen, but the chances of that happening are incredibly slim. If you are seeing a 10% conversion rate, then you are doing something really, really right. You have a very, very, very responsive list. But for most people, that's not happening. So if you know that you want 10 people in your program, you need to spend a little bit of time figuring out, okay, I need 10 people in my program. If an average conversion rate is only 2%, how many people do I need to get this in front of in order to fill the program? And again, finally, do I need to change my pricing? This, again, is a big question I'm always asking my students because I tend to see that most people underprice their products and they underprice their services. And when you underprice, you're making it harder on yourself because you have to sell more. So if the numbers don't work, if you're realizing you have to sell a lot more um, than you think is possible in the coming year, then you might need to look at how could I increase the value of this product or this program? Could I add something to it? Could I add more access to me? Could I add group coaching calls? Could I add a Facebook group? Could I add something? Usually the biggest value you can add to an info product or a coaching program is more access to you. So that might be something that would help you to reposition and reprice that individual product or program. 
So now that we spent a little bit of time thinking about crunching the numbers, you know, is this revenue goal make sense? You are going to be able to adjust and stretch your revenue goal and avoid overestimating, which leads to frustration and really ends up stopping people before they ever get started. We want to make sure that our plan is based in reality and that we're really looking at Do I know what it's going to take in order to achieve this goal? How many clients it's going to take? How many sales it's going to take? And what am I going to have to do in order to achieve it? Once you've got an idea of if your revenue goal makes sense, if it's realistic, if it's achievable for you, then it's time to set some good old fashioned smart goals. And that might seem a little corporate or maybe a little confining, but if your goals aren't smart, then you're doing yourself a disservice. Really, the difference between a dream and a goal is a plan. So you need to ask yourself these questions as you're planning out your big goals. And I recommend your top five big goals for the year and then breaking those down into milestone sprint 90-day goals so that you can make them super achievable. You'll end up with better confidence and focus when you're creating your action plan for 2017. So SMART stands for, first, specific. What do you want to achieve? This needs to be check-offable. It needs to be very, very, very specific. If it's too vague, then you're not actually going to know if you've achieved that goal. So make it as check-offable as you can. And that means you could actually put it on a to-do list and tell that you've accomplished this goal. For example, I want to lose weight is not specific enough. You need something that tells you when you've achieved that goal. So you're going to make it more specific. Same thing with your revenue goal. I want to grow my revenue goal next year. By how much? Make it more specific. That way you'll know when you've reached it. Second, meaningful. Why is this goal important to you? This is such a good question to ask because often we get caught up in the trap of setting goals that really aren't what we actually want. It's what we think we should want or what we hear we should do. So what is actually important to you? Is this goal important to you? Why is it important to you? What is this goal going to allow you to do, be, have, feel, or experience in your life that you're not having right now? Making sure that your goal is meaningful will ensure that you don't find yourself at the end of next year really frustrated and feeling unfulfilled in your work. Third, action-oriented. What is it going to take to achieve this goal? You want to make sure that as you're setting your goals, you're not just saying, hey, I want to increase my revenue by $50,000 next year. You're going to say, I want to increase my revenue by $50,000 next year by selling this specific product, program, or service or bringing on this number of new clients. So be very action-oriented. What is it that you need to do in order to achieve that goal? Fourth, realistic. How do you know you can achieve this goal? Is this goal within your natural skill set? Or, and this is something you need to be aware of, or is this something you need to go out and get training on? You need to get coach on. You need to get extra support. You need to hire an expert. If you're not sure if this goal is realistic, given where you're standing right now and your specific strengths and skills, then you need to make sure that you have a plan for how you're going to make this possible. So make sure it's realistic. And finally, time 
bound. When do you want to achieve this goal by? If there isn't a deadline, it's not real. It becomes something that you'll find yourself pushing off and pushing off and pushing off. And that's one of the reasons that I really, really, really love setting 90-day goals because it's a sprint. And in 12 weeks, you can accomplish so much in your life and your business. It's just long enough to see meaningful progress, and it's just short enough that you can stay really focused and avoid procrastinating. So think of SMART as your goal-setting reality check so that you know that your goals are actually worth setting. And again, one special area I want you to pay attention to is the M, the meaningful. Goals need to have real meaning to you and not just fall into the something you think you should do category. We entrepreneurs are told all day long what we should want, especially for our marketing and revenue goals. But you need to focus on what actually matters, what's actually meaningful to you. So rethinking your planning process now can help you achieve way more in the coming year More importantly, creating an action plan that's reflective and measurable will give you more ease and less stress in all the work that you do to reach the goals that mean the most to you. So just to quickly recap, first, make sure you're limiting your nitty gritty individual action steps planning to just 12 weeks. Break it down into a 90 day sprint. And that sprint goal should be a milestone towards your bigger picture goal. Suddenly you have four sprints throughout the year and you'll find that you'll stay way more focused and you'll avoid procrastination. Once you've set your sprint goals, make sure you're reverse engineering those revenue goals. And this number crunching is all about making sure that it is realistic, that your business is designed, your products, programs, and services are designed in a way that makes sense, that the numbers add up and your revenue becomes as simple as making sure you have enough people getting in front of your specific offerings. And finally, Go through the SMART goal acronym. Make sure your goals are all specific, meaningful, action-oriented, realistic, and time-bound. This quick filter will make sure that your goals are actually going to help you achieve the things that matter the most to you and help you, again, stay focused on these 90-day sprints. If you love today's episode, make sure you head over to rachelcook.com slash episode 29 for all the show notes. Thanks again for being here. I can't wait to connect with you again next week for the next episode of Uncomplicate Your Business. Talk soon. If you're loving the Uncomplicate Your Business podcast, it would mean so much if you would rate and review the podcast on iTunes. When you do, it helps me to reach and serve more amazing entrepreneurs like yourself who are ready to work less and live more. You can learn more about how you can uncomplicate your business, including show notes and bonus resources just for podcast listeners, plus courses and consulting where I help women business owners create success on their terms at rachelcook.com.